It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's asleeping. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit's burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning and evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered, and Satan's just a laughing. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. How many of you are glad that it's only Friday? That we have a lot more to look forward to. Now that is a preaching voice. I wish I had a deep booming voice like that to preach with. Well, you know, tonight I was thinking about Good Friday. And how many of you know for Jesus it wasn't Good Friday? It was the worst day of his entire life, beaten beyond recognition. The man went through living hell, descended to hell, 
It was a tough day for Jesus. And there's seven statements he made on the cross that I want to look at tonight. Because how many of you, I don't, I don't know if I'm the only person, but how many of you have ever had a tough day? Ever gone through something in life? You know, Jesus had a tough day that Friday. So you got to understand that when he hung on the cross, the, the, the Roman crucifixion, the entire design of it was to suffocate and asphyxiate a man. The only way they could breathe is Jesus would have to push the entire weight of his body up upon the nails in his feet. He would have to pull the weight of his body up upon the nails in his wrists, causing searing, agonizing pain. Every breath. And when he couldn't handle the pain anymore, he would slump back down. And he would begin to suffocate all over again. And then when he couldn't breathe, he would have to pull his hands back up. And to speak was even more agonizing than that. So for him to say a word in absolute agony, how many know we should pay attention to what he had to say on the cross? Above everything else he said in the Bible, the words he spoke through absolute agony, through absolute pain, to me are worth our attention. And there were seven statements he made hanging on that cross that I want to look at tonight. Seven statements he made during the toughest day in his life. I love Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And I want to read it to you tonight in the Message Bible. You know, in chapter 1, it's talking about casting off the problems of life, the trials when you're in the middle of a bad day. And it begins in verse 2 with some words that I think we all need to take heart. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I mean, that's the answer right there. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race that we're in. He finished the very race that you and I are in tonight. And then look at this. Study how he did it. That's why I want to look at the seven statements from the cross tonight, because I want to know how he did it. I want to know how Jesus got through the worst day of his life. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith. The Hebrews author says, when you find yourself having a bad day, when you find yourself going through a tough time, when you're, when, you're, when you're flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. So we're going to look at the seven statements he made from the cross And I encourage you to write these down, put them in your phone, put them in your iPad, put them in a notebook. These statements will comfort you. You will need these from time to time in your life. The first point I want to make on the first state, first statement that he made on the cross is forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Forgive everyone that's trying to ruin your life. Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. How many of you have ever felt that there are certain people and it's, it's their life calling to make you miserable? 
I mean, this whole issue of forgiveness is so important that Jesus also included it in our daily prayers. Forgive those that trespass against us as we seek the forgiveness of God. Dr. David Yonggi Cho pastors a church in Seoul, South Korea of close to a million people, the largest church in the world. And I heard him say this statement once that just cracked me up. He said, every day I have to forgive so many people because I hate so many people. (laughs) Forgive the people that are trying to ruin your life. Forgive the people that are hurting you, not necessarily for their sake, for your sake. You're the one that wins through forgiveness. doesn't mean you're letting them off the hook, but you're letting them off your hook. You're putting them in God's hands. Forgive those that have hurt you. The second thing that I want to look at, help others who are experiencing your same struggle. Help others who are experiencing your same struggle. I mean, there's two thieves hanging on each side of Jesus. He could have very easily said, listen, guys, I've got my own issues to deal with right now. I don't have time to worry about you. I'm in enough pain on my own than worry about what you're going through. But in Luke 23, 39 through 43, it says one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffs. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it. Saving yourself and us too while you're at it. This guy's mocking him on the cross. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus took the time to help somebody in need. When you're having a bad day, go help somebody having a worse day and watch what happens to your day. You want to get out of a bad day? Go help somebody struggling through the same thing. Go help somebody struggling through something worse than what you're going through. Isaiah 58.10 puts it like this. Feed the hungry. Help those who are in trouble. When you're in trouble, go help somebody else in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. Help those who are having bad days. Help those who are struggling with the same experiences that you're struggling with. The third thing I want to look at from what Jesus said on the cross is, be sure to take care of those that are closest to you. And man, this is a hard point for me because this is probably the area that I'm probably most guilty about in life. See, what do we normally do when we have a bad day? We take it out on the people closest to us. The people, when we have a bad day, we tend to take it out on the people closest to us. I mean, you've been there fighting at home. And you're just fighting, fighting, fighting with your spouse. And then the phone rings. Hello. John 19, 26 and 27. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, Here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his own home. In the middle of agony, in the middle of pain, and in the middle of one of Jesus' worst days, he took time to take care of those closest to him. How often do we take him for granted? 
How often do we give the best of ourselves to our boss and the worst of ourselves to our family? We give the best of ourselves to our job and the worst of ourselves to our children. We don't take care of those closest to us. If you're having a bad day, take, make sure to take care of those closest to you because it's easy to take them for granted. Fourth thing I want to talk about. Realize that until you get to heaven, there are going to be some things that you'll never understand. The proverbial why. We've all been there. God, I don't understand this. Why am I struggling this? Why am I going through this? You know what I love about Jesus? He gave us permission to question. He gave us permission to not understand everything. And some of us aren't going to get it all until we get to heaven. Here he is, Matthew 27, 46. At about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why? Why have you abandoned me? You don't have to know everything. It's okay if you don't have everything figured out. Because there's some things you're not going to understand until you get to heaven. The fifth thing. Be human enough to acknowledge your need. Be human enough to acknowledge your need. There are times when you need help. And I know it's so easy to try to be self-sufficient, to try to act like we got it all together, act like we can get through it on our own. There are times where you have to call out for help. John 19, 28 and 29, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. He had a need. I love the fact that Jesus gives me permission to ask for help when I need help. Yesterday afternoon, I I don't know why. It's not like me. I think it was more just a spiritual attack. And I don't say that lightly because it's just not like me. But yesterday, I just felt this deep anxiety, this deep kind of depression begin settling on me yesterday afternoon. And it's not my nature to ask for help. I like... I like to think of myself as pretty self-sufficient, a survivor, I'm resilient, I like to get through things. But this is settling on me when I'm studying for tonight. And so I reached out to Al and our prayer pastor, John, I said, guys, just pray for me. My wife, I said, pray for me. And as soon as I asked for help, it just lifted off of me. It immediately lifted when I asked for help. Don't ever be too big to ask for help. Don't ever be too self-sufficient. Jesus gives you permission. On his worst day, he had a need, and he asked for help. Number six, be assured that there is a purpose and an end. There is a purpose to what you're going through, and there will be an end to what you're going through. John 19, 30, it is finished. See, we often think that was the last statement he made on the cross, but it wasn't. There was one to go. Because Jesus right here is, he's not saying that he's finished. He's not saying that his life is finished. He's saying the mission is finished. What I was here to accomplish, it's done. There is a purpose and there is an end. And you will get through this. 
you will find your way to the other side. I love Psalm 23. Though we walk through. It doesn't say we walk into the valley of shadow of death. It says we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Which means we're not going to stay there. You're not going to stay there forever. There will be an end. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. That is why we never give up. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Your physical body may be going through hell. Your life may be going through every trial, every adversity, every problem. But yet your spirit can be renewed every day. How? How? Verse 17. For our present troubles are small. And they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs and will last forever. And then the last point I want to make, the seventh statement from Jesus on the cross, is you have to surrender your day to God and let it go. You've got to surrender to God and let it go. Luke 23, 46, Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. See, when you've done the other six, there's still one more thing to do. And that is completely surrender. Give your life 100% over to God. Not my will, but your will. I surrender all. Throw your cares on him, the problems, the trials, the pain, the suffering, everything you're dealing with, everything you're going through. You've got to surrender it to him. You've got to say, God, I entrust you with my spirit. I entrust you with this bad day. I entrust you with this trial. I entrust you with this life. It's all yours. I may not understand it. I may not get it all. It may not always make sense to me, but you've got to surrender it to God. You've got to give Him everything. And that's the key to getting through a bad day. Seven statements from the cross, every one of them extremely significant to where we're at today. As we close tonight, I don't want the ushers to begin to hand out the communion elements. We're going to celebrate communion together. As we continue to worship a living Savior, I thank God that the Easter story doesn't end on Friday. I thank God that we have a Sunday to look forward to. And that's the beauty of surrender, is there's a Sunday to look forward to. You may be in the middle of a Friday night right now, but there is a Sunday on the way in your life. God has a Sunday in store for you. You may be in the middle of agony, the middle of darkness, the middle of trials, the middle of problems, but there is a Sunday. Not just a Sunday in the Easter story, but a Sunday that is specific to you. Would you pass out the elements for us? I love the communion story in 1 Corinthians 11. There's one line that always gets me. It says, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. 
do this to remember me. I was saying last night, I think too often, too many times, we rush through the communion ceremony and we don't stop to remember him and we miss the power. We miss the life-giving opportunity of what communion can do. You know, communion can literally start a revival in your soul. Communion can start a revival within your spirit. If you'll do it the way the Bible teaches. If you do it as a ceremonial duty and rush through it, you don't really stop to think about the power and the life. See, when Jesus said, do this to remember me, remember what? Yes, remember the death, but also to remember the resurrection. Also to remember the why behind what happened. Because the Word of God tells me the power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and available to work inside of me. So when I stop for a moment to receive communion and I do this to remember Him, I'm remembering the power that He made available to me. I'm remembering the life that He made available to me. I'm remembering the full benefits that I have as a believer. You know, the Bible tells me that I can ask whatever I want in Jesus' name and it'll be done. That's the word of God. That's one of the things that are available to me because his body was broken and he shed his blood. That's one of the things I have to remember when I receive communion. There are so many blessings, so many promises, so many things that God has for us. But we gotta stop and remember. Father, in the name of Jesus, tonight we stop and we remember the broken body, the pain, the suffering of what you went through, God. And more importantly, why you went through it. You didn't go through it for nothing. You went through it to give us life and life more abundantly. You went through us to give us a connection to your Father, a direct relationship. You did it to unleash the fruit of the Spirit in our life. You did it to give us victory, healing, power, joy, love. So as we receive this tonight, God, we pray that you would start a revival in our soul as we remember why your body was broken for us. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Do this and remember it to me. Let's eat the body together. It says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. The new covenant between God and his people. What is that new covenant? It's grace. The new covenant is grace. You don't have to earn it. There's nothing you can do. 
with your effort other than receive this gift. That's what separates Jesus Christ from every other major religious founder, leader in the world. They all said, listen, I've come here to show you the way. I've come here to bring you to the truth. Jesus said, no, 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 I am the way. I am the truth. They said, we'll help you find God. Jesus said, I'm God here to find you. To take your punishment, to pay the price you couldn't pay on your own. That's the new covenant grace. You can't work for it. You can't get it. You simply have to receive it as a gift of his love. Father, we thank you for the blood that was shed, the pure blood, the perfect blood, the holy blood, the innocent blood that makes atonement for every sin, God, I've ever committed. And Jesus, if I was the only one that ever said yes to you, you still would have died. Let me never forget that. I said, this is the cup, the new covenant. stand as we close.
we thank you.